1 through 4. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I have preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Thank you, Joseph. Good morning, church. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, wasn't it great to see all those little ones running to the uh, training time? In fact, I got nervous. There were so many kids running, I thought many of you were going to get up and run over there. But we are di- indeed thankful that you are here today, especially all of you that, that are visiting. And I was thinking about this day and how, uh, you know, there's uh, two major holidays in our nation, in the world, that... That people uh, celebrate as a religious holiday or just a secular holiday. The first being Christmas in which many celebrate that as the birth of Christ. And then also Easter in which many celebrate as Resurrection Sunday. But no matter what one believes about uh, celebrating any one of these days, the fact of the matter is Jesus Christ was born into this world. And for that we should be thankful. And number two, Jesus Christ, He died for our sins, He was buried in the tomb, and He rose again on the third day, and of that we should be thankful. Today, across our nation, uh, within this group, uh, within this town, within this state, maybe likely all across the world, Many are gathering together with friends and family. And they will enjoy a meal together. And they will enjoy spending time together. And and children will be hunting Easter eggs. And everybody will enjoy that time together. This is a great time. Very much like Christmas time where people and friends and family gather together and enjoy that time together. But I want to challenge you with something today that I think Paul was trying to challenge his readers in 1 Corinthians 15. In in, in all the gatherings together, and as we uh, gather together today, and as many are thinking about the resurrection, I want to challenge us. Have we ever contemplated what the resurrection really meant? Have we ever ever really contemplated what the resurrection really meant to the New Testament Christians? And have we ever really contemplated what the resurrection should mean to us? The background in um, the Corinthian area is set by the idea that ancient Greek philosophical world, they believed in dualism. Dualism considered everything spiritual, intellectually good, and everything uh, physical, intrinsically evil. In fact, someone said this, For them, the very reason for going to an afterlife was to escape all physical things. That was the, that was the modern thought of the ancient, ancient Greek world. 
They considered the body a tomb or a corpse to which in this life their souls were shackled. They believed in the immortality of the soul but strongly opposed the idea of a resurrection. And you know, Paul, he faced a similar thought, a similar idea. This is not the first time that he's uh, had to deal with this kind of thought. Do you remember in Acts chapter 17? Do you remember as he, Paul stood up in the Areopagus, and as he spoke to those Athenian philosophers, he said in verse 32, and or the Bible says, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. You see, they made fun of him for believing that. They made fun of him for teaching that because in their mind, that was ridiculous. Even among the Jews, there was the debate about the resurrection. You know, you remember the Pharisees believed in the resurrection, the Sadducees did not. And there was constant arguing and and debating about that subject. Many over the years, have come to believe some different things about the afterlife. You see, some believe in soul sleep. In other words, the body dies and disintegrates and the soul just simply rests. Others believe in utter extinction or annihilation. In other words, death ends it all. Others believe in reincarnation. The soul or the spirit in some form is continually being recycled from one form to another. Still others have believed in uh, absorption. Uh, the spirit, or at least a certain part of it, returns to, uh, to, to back to the ultimate divine mind or the being. And that seems to be where a lot of these Corinthian individuals were. In fact, notice the debate or the struggle with some of these Corinthian Christians. One person noted, some Corinthian Christians with roots in Greek culture, had been understandably slow to abandon their old gods. They were reluctant to make a complete break from their old community life in which temple sacrifices and meals were important. Paul dealt with that in chapter 8 and chapter 10. When former devotees to Greek gods embraced Christ as Lord, they understood that monotheism, one God, came with the new commitment but they found it difficult to abandon Greek philosophical thinking. It was finally ingrained into a worldview they found difficult to escape. Their idea of life after death was important to that worldview. And so clashes between Greek and Christian notions about life after death were inevitable. And Paul constantly was dealing with this. In fact, these Corinthians, uh, Christians, they had written to Paul asking certain things. And it may be that Paul has saved this to last. Dealing with their questions about the resurrection. As I mentioned, even Jews had struggled about faults of the beliefs of a resurrection. You remember the Jewish leaders in Acts chapter 4? Verse 1, Now as they spoke to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed because they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So what was it, Paul, that you wanted these Christians to understand about the resurrection? What is it that you wanted people to understand about the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of the Christian? Look at 
chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. And we'll find that Paul wanted these people to understand that the resurrection was foundational to the gospel. Look at what he said. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which you also received, in which you stand, by which you also are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I, I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen by Cephas, Peter, then by the twelve. After that, He was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by grace, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they, than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with, the, what's with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, so you believed. Paul wanted them to understand this resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is foundational to the gospel that we preached. In fact, uh, Paul says back in chapter 4, he, he tells them, he says, listen, you, you have thousands of instructors in Christ, but you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Paul said, in a sense, I was like your father because I had begotten you into the gospel. I preached the gospel to you and you received it and you obeyed it. And Paul writes, he says, you have received it and you stand in it even now. Isn't it interesting that in the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it must be received. It needed to be received then and it needs to be received now. And the Corinthians had done just that. And did you catch what Paul said was the result of them receiving this gospel? They were saved. They were saved. But what was it, Paul, that you preached? What was this gospel? And he gives it. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And that term, according to the Scriptures indicates that the nature of the gospel hinges on the resurrection. As Larry prayed in his prayer earlier. This is the same gospel that has been preached since Acts chapter 2. It's the same gospel that Paul went around everywhere preaching. And it's the same gospel that is preached today. And isn't it interesting... Have you ever thought about this? That in baptism, the gospel is symbolized? The death, the burial, and the resurrection. Paul says that in Romans chapter 6. 
If you've been buried with Christ through baptism, you've been buried into His death. And just as He was raised from the grave, so also you shall be raised in newness of life. You see, it all begins at the Gospel. And at the very core of the Gospel hinges, the Gospel hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Turn your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, Paul even says himself, listen, I received this Gospel. The Gospel that I preached to you, I received it. And in Galatians chapter 1, he will remind us, I didn't receive it from man. I received it from God. In other words, listen, what I'm telling you, this is from God. You can take it to the bank. Look at verse 6. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from Him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. You're being challenged and pulled away to a different gospel. And I'm so surprised. Look at verse 11. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. No man has come in and told me this gospel. For I neither received it from man nor was I taught it. But it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through His grace to reveal His Son in me, that I might preach Him among the Gentiles, and I did not merely confer with the flesh, with flesh and blood. Paul says, I didn't get it from man. I wasn't taught this from man. I received this from God. This is the gospel that Jesus died according to the Scriptures. That He was buried and that He rose again on the third day. So whether you contemplate or whether you're struggling with the resurrection of Jesus Christ or whether you're struggling with a bodily resurrection with many, which many of them did and Paul deals with that. I wish we had time to look at all those things in 1 Corinthians 15. But Paul deals with that in verses 35 and following. Paul says, I received it from God. You see, evidently there were some Christians who made their stand in the gospel and they lived by it in faith because Paul says, in which you stand. But also evidently there were some who were among their number who didn't stand in the gospel because Paul said, uh, this which I preach... Uh, you've been saved and you hold fast to the word which I preach to you unless, verse 2, you believed in vain. That word vain means without purpose or cause. Solomon in Ecclesiastes used it to also mean empty. If they believed in vain, then they were not truly saved. And they did not truly stand in the gospel, which was the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How do we know that? Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, writing to this same group of people, Examine yourselves, whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. 
Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? Also in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23, Paul said, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. And then he goes on talking about the Lord's Supper. And you see, he wasn't even there. But he received it from the Lord. You see, notice verses 12 through 19. Now if Christ is preached that He has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, vain, and your faith also is empty. And He goes on to say, if in this life... Only we have hope in Christ in this life only. We are of all men most pitiful. And those who have already gone on, those who are asleep is the word that he uses, then they're dead in their sins. In other words, they're lost. And all that we're doing is vain. It's empty. It means nothing. It means we die, we get to come together, we talk about good things, we encourage one another, and then we die. Without the resurrection, Paul says, there's no hope. If Christ is not risen, then preaching the gospel is empty. If Christ is not risen, then our faith is empty. If Christ is not risen, we are still in our sins. If Christ is not risen, those who have fallen asleep, believing, have perished. And if in this life only we have opened Christ, we are all men most pitiful. You see, the resurrection is foundational to the gospel. We want to go out and share the gospel. Then we go out and we declare and we share also the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then look at verses 20 through 23 and then verse 50 and following. But now Christ has risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made Alive? Paul says the resurrection then means that we also will be raised from the dead. Look at verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall all, not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption... And this mortal has put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying which is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death where is your sting? O Hades where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore my beloved children, brethren, be steadfast, immovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. 
You see, Paul wants them to know that Christianity teaches something different than the philosophical world. That Christianity teaches and believes and stands in that Christ is risen. And therefore, because Christ is risen, we too also will be risen. We will be changed. Now, I don't know how to explain it. Other than by faith, Paul says we will be changed. There will be a bodily resurrection. It won't be like the bodies that we have now, but there will be a bodily resurrection. We're not just going to be absorbed as a spirit back to God. Paul says there will be a bodily resurrection. And that's totally different from what these Corinthians had been taught and heard about resurrection. And these Christians were struggling with that. You see, our resurrection is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you remember what Jesus said in John 14 and verse 19? Because I live, you will also live. And notice this conversation in John chapter 11 between Martha and Jesus about the resurrection. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. You see, his resurrection is a guarantee for our resurrection. So when we come together and we celebrate this every Lord's Day, we don't just simply come together. We're not just simply going to church. Yes, we gather together to worship, but to give thanks mainly for the resurrection of Jesus and our ultimate resurrection in Him. In other words, Paul reminds the Corinthians there, and he would remind us, when you come together... You are a testimony. You are a witness. You are a declaration that the resurrection of Jesus Christ did in fact happen. And we are a declaration that we too will be raised in the last day. Paul said, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you struggling today? Do you have things going on in your life? Satan pulling you down with things? Here's the thing Paul wanted them to remember. That when you stand, when you have received, and you stand, and you believe, and you obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection, you will receive victory. In the last day. And he gives these words of encouragement. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. 
immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. When we think about verse 58, compared to the rest of that chapter, it makes sense, doesn't it? That when you work for the Lord and you work in the ministry of the Lord, it's not in vain because we don't just die. It means something. It means something to us and it's a declaration to those who don't stand in the Gospel yet. Paul said, Christ is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Some ask in verse 35, How are the dead raised up and with what body do they come? Paul in Philippians chapter 3 uh, tells these individuals, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to His glorious body, according to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things Himself. I don't know how to explain it. The Lord says this is the way it's going to happen. And we will be raised by the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In chapter 15 and verse 42, Paul also says, So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. You see, he talks about when the trumpet sounds... We sing the song, and the trumpet of the Lord shall sound. You see, the question we have to ask is, will we, will we be raised with Christ when the trumpet sounds? Because as we sing, the trumpet surely will sound, and the dead in Christ will be raised. We will be changed. You see, if you have believed, you have accepted, and you believe and obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection, you will be. Because His resurrection is a guarantee of our resurrection. The Bible speaks of the glorious hope of a resurrection for all those who have received, accepted, and obeyed and stand in the gospel. Harry Blameyer's offer some thought on the resurrected body. He says, As a caterpillar is to the butterfly, so our present body is to the resurrected body. There is continuity, but there is also difference. Just as the caterpillar's body is suited to the realm of the ground and the butterflies to the flight through the air, so our present bodies may be suited to this world of sin, but our resurrected bodies will be suited to the life of the Spirit in a world that is eternal and without limit. And just as it would be difficult for even an intelligent caterpillar to imagine what life would be like as a butterfly, so we struggle to imagine the resurrection life. You see, what is the resurrection? What should it have meant to those individuals? Paul said it was foundational to the gospel. To the gospel message that was preached, that he had preached. That Jesus 
was crucified according to the Scriptures, that he, that he was buried and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And what does that mean? What should that mean to the New Testament Christian? And what does that mean to us today? We too can be resurrected through Jesus Christ. Are you a Christian today? Have you given your life Have you submitted, accepted that gospel message and submitted your life back to Jesus Christ through the death, burial, and resurrection of water baptism by faith so that you can be declared like Paul did to those Corinthians. You stand in the gospel and you haven't believed in vain. And therefore, in the last day, you will receive victory. Have you done that today? If not, it's our prayer that you will. What a great day to do that. Resurrection Sunday. A time when people are celebrating the resurrection. A time uh, when people are celebrating Easter and you have family here and maybe you haven't made that declaration. Maybe you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ. What better time than now? The eunuch said, here's water. What's keeping me from giving my life back to Jesus? Maybe you're here today and there's been a lot of things placed in your life, a lot of struggles. Satan's been pulling you down. And you know, I was thinking renewal was good. Sometimes we just need to pause and renew and think about things, right? Maybe that day is today for you to be reminded of what the resurrection of Jesus Christ really should mean to us. And maybe you want to rededicate your life and say, you know what, I haven't been coming to the worship services and declaring that Jesus Christ has risen through my example. I haven't been living in my family and I haven't been living in my workplace and in my school and in my neighborhood and in my community that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and you can take it to the bank. And maybe you want to rededicate that and renew your life to that today as together we stand and sing. To buy my pardon An empty grave is there to prove My Savior lives Because He lives I can face tomorrow Because He lives All fear is gone Because I know He holds the future And life is worth the living Just because He lives And then one day I'll cross that river, I'll find my spine, no war with pain, and then as death. 
gives way to victory. I'll see the lights of glory and I'll know He reigns because He lives. I can face tomorrow because He lives. All fear is gone because I know He holds the future and life is worth the living just because He lives. Please be seated. Miss Linda Davis has come today and Larry has come with her. One of the things that impresses me about this couple is their deep and abiding faith. And I wasn't around the first time Miss Linda dealt with very, very serious health condition. Many of you are aware of that. But I do remember just recently another serious health condition that she's faced. And Miss Linda comes today and she says, You know, I feel like I've been given a second chance. And she says, I want to make sure that I'm right with the Lord. I want to make sure that, that my life is a declaration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ so that she can stand in the gospel. And whenever that time comes, can be raised with the Lord. Larry also comes and says, I'm coming to support Miss Linda. But I'm also coming to say, I need a, new, I need a clean slate as well. I want to be forgiven of anything that I may have done or said or uh, anything that's in my life that stands between me and God. What a powerful example of a faithful Christian couple. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Linda. For your faith, for your love for one another, and most of all, for your love for Almighty God. Let us go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Holy Father, we thank You for this day where many around the world are remembering the day that Jesus had risen from the grave. And thank You, Father, for the Apostle Paul and him reminding the church in Corinth and therefore reminding us that the Gospel and all that we do as believers, obedient believers to You, hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Father, this morning we thank You for Miss Linda and for Larry, for their faith, their desire to serve You, to please You, and to live for You. Father, I thank You. I thank You for the chances of life that You've given our sister Linda Davis. And Father, as today she feels like she's been given a second chance, Father, 
She wants to make sure all is well with you. And she wants to make sure that her life is the declaration of her belief in you and belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and belief of her resurrection as a child of yours. Father, thank You. Thank You for the way that You have worked in her life and that you, had helped her, you have helped her to come back from two serious illnesses. Father, thank You. And thank You for her example today of wanting to make sure all is well. Father, thank You for Larry. I thank You for this wonderful couple of faith. And Father, though I'm sure they would admit that they have not lived perfectly, but they've tried to live by faith. And Father, I pray if there's anything in their life that stands between them and You, that You will forgive them of it as they come today and as they lay those things down to You. Father, I pray that You will bless them especially today. That You will help them to have peace. The peace that passes all understanding. The peace of being able to stand firmly in the gospel. A peace that will allow them to say, it is well with my soul. Thank you, Father, for their example. Bless them. Hold them. Give them the strength and the comfort that they need. Thank you, Father, for the great example. And Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for His death, for the forgiveness of our sins. We thank You that He was placed in the tomb and we thank You so much that He was raised the third day according to the Scriptures. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.